It is a joy and privilege seeing each and every one of you here today. I always wonder what it would be like to actually have people sitting in the balcony during one of our church services. And now that we've got the balcony opened up for all you down here below, feel free to move up there sometime if you want to check it out. It might be a little warmer, but anyway, we are glad to see each and every one of you here. If you're worshiping with us online, welcome to the church at Woodbine. We are so glad that you're here. If you've closed your Bibles from 2 Timothy, I want to encourage you to open it back up. Last week, we started a new sermon series, Disciples Multiplying Disciples, and we're going to go through the book of 2 Timothy. It's a real short letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, one of his own disciples, while Paul was in prison. Just to give a little background, a little context, 2 Timothy was written after the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts in chapter 28, Paul is in prison, but it's house arrest. And according to church tradition, he was released He traveled, continually planting and and starting new churches, actually got to Spain, and then came back to Asia Minor, where he was arrested again under the reign of the Emperor Nero, who was one of the most vile, ruthless emperors to ever govern Rome. And while Paul is in his second imprisonment is when he wrote 2 Timothy. And last week we looked at, a disciple knows joy. If you had been following us during the book of Nehemiah, when we were going through the summer sermon series, in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah calls the people, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you know that joy? A disciple of Jesus knows the joy of the Lord, knows the joy of the company, of the fellowship of the brothers and sisters. And we're called to walk in that joy even if we're suffering. Too many people in our day and age think that the purpose and point and vision of life is to be happy. How many times have we heard parents say, people say, I just want to be happy. I want my kids to be happy. If that is the vision of our life, we will be shipwrecked. But with that said, God truly wants us to experience his joy and joy God's joy, the Lord's joy, is different than just happiness. If you've lived life even for a year or two, you will know that life isn't fair. And in this life, we will suffer. And we will suffer greatly. As a Christian, we will suffer and should suffer even the more so. Because the king we live for, the king we proclaim, the Messiah we preach, told us, Jesus told us that we will suffer and that the world will hate us. Because they first hated him. But as we suffer and as Paul suffered, we are called to joy. Here in chapter 1, starting in verse 8, today we're going to look at a disciple imitates. The word imitate, what does it mean? What does imitate mean? I've got a question for you. Have you ever played Simon Says? Do you know what Simon Says is? And we're getting ready to play Simon Says. So if you're watching and worshiping online with this, it might be a little challenging. You could probably cheat and I wouldn't be able to see you cheat. Who has played Simon Says? Raise your hand. Does everybody know? Okay. Almost everybody. You do what Simon Says, right? So if I were to say, if I'm Simon, I say, Simon Says, jump on one foot. Everybody jumps on one foot. If I say, Simon Says, stop, everyone stops. If I say, stand up, everyone stands up. If I say, you've lost if you've done that. So let's play Simon Says. And to get started, let's all stand up. Let's play Simon Says. All right, for everyone who stood up, you're out. Simon did not say say. 
Oh, and that's as much as we're going to play. I've seen where our, our, our community of IQ is, right? Imitate. It's to follow. It's to copy. It's to do like someone else. I'll, I'm going to put Sammy on the spot here. I can remember when, I was, when he was two, three, four, five, six years old, I got up early, even before the sun did, and I'd be in the front room reading my Bible, drinking my coffee early in the morning. Coffee with Jesus is amazing. And I could hear Sammy wrestling when he would get up, and he would run down the hallway as a two, three-year-old. He would jump in my lap, and he would hug, and he would look at the candles I had on and look at my Bible and my journal. And then I'd say, okay, go play. you got to be quiet. Shh, Eric's sleeping. Margie's sleeping. Okay, okay. And he was very compliant. And one time he was sitting at his little table behind me and I could hear him and everything. And I turned around and looked and there he had two of his Bibles out and he had a little notebook out. What was he doing? He was imitating what I was doing. I had my Bible out and my journal out. I had my prayer book out and I'm doing my devotion. And I turned around and there he was with his Bible out, his other Bible out, his picture Bible out and a little notebook imitating his father. There's a couple little boys that used to be here, Scott and Amy Hall, they're little boys. They would dress them in a plaid shirt and blue jeans on Sunday mornings. Why? To be like Pastor Doug. If you've been here more than a month, you'll know that I only wear plaid on Sunday morning and blue jeans. Imitating. We all imitate someone. The question is, who are you imitating? Sammy, could you bring that picture up? I got a picture I have in my office. And there's plenty of things that you could find wrong with it. It'll be up on the screen. But I love this picture for what it symbolizes. Here, suppose it's a picture of Joseph. And if you look carefully, you see a little toddler down here. I wish it had dark. I wish this little toddler had black hair, but you can look up on the screen. My picture frame actually cracked years ago and I just left it broken because if you look at the picture, this little toddler, who's he supposed to be? Jesus. What's he picking up? Nails. But who's he imitating? His father. What is one of Jesus' nicknames? He's a carpenter. And because of the, screen, because of the video, I cannot wander the sanctuary anymore, so you guys are off the hook, but I want to respect everybody worshiping. But I look at this picture a lot because Jesus was known as the carpenter, and actually, actually that is what he did for years. The carpenter's son. How much did he reflect his father, Joseph? How much has Jesus reflected his heavenly father? Jesus said many times, he came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal the Father. How? By doing what his Father does. Imitating his Father. Do we imitate Christ? Here in chapter 1, verse 8, look at what Paul says. Remember, Paul's in prison. And he knows he's going to be killed. He knows he's going to be executed. And he's writing one of his own disciples, Timothy. Look at what he says in verse 8. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in the sufferings for the gospel, relying on the power of God. We're going to stop right there. Right there. Don't be ashamed. This command, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Just a few verses before that, 
Paul told Timothy, he says, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but one of power and of love and of sound judgment. For whatever reason, we don't know if it was Timothy's personality or if because he was emotionally wounded, but Timothy was timid. Timid Timothy. And Paul had to say over and over, don't be ashamed. Rely on God's power. Be bold. And I asked the question myself, am I ashamed of the gospel? Paul says in Romans 1.16, he says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Have you ever been ashamed? Why? Have you ever been embarrassed? Why? Why would Paul tell Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel of the testimony of our Lord? For us, when we think back on Jesus and what he did on the cross, we're like, yeah, awesome. But the crucifixion, the Romans crucified prisoners and criminals. One, yes, it was the worst way to be killed. But two, it was to shame them because they would be crucified naked and they would waste away on the cross and they would live for two, three, four, five days on that cross, bleeding to death, suffocating to death. It was a horrible, shameful death. And so back in the first century, to say that someone was crucified, shameful. As North Americans, we do not live in a shame, honor society. But the eastern half of the world does. Living in Mexico, Mexico is much more of a shame and honor culture than our North American culture. And to be shamed by someone was horrific. But for some of us as North Americans, we don't understand that. But we need to understand that the shame of the gospel, and Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians, for the, for the Greeks, the crucifixion, the gospel is just garbage. It doesn't make sense. It's foolishness. And for the Jews, it's a stumbling block that the Messiah would be crucified. So we need to think back in the first century context of how shameful it was For Jesus to be crucified. But on top of that, who is Jesus? Just a hick of a carpenter in backwoods Nazareth. If I were to get up here with a real strong southern accent, people who don't don't know me, where would they label my IQ? They've They've done research. People with British accents, most of us as North Americans, give them 20 more points on their IQ. And someone with a strong, thick, southern accent, it drops. Jesus came from Nazareth, a poor carpenter's son, a nobody, who was crucified on the cross. Who would be proud to follow him? And Paul and Timothy's day, very few. And yet the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And Paul says here, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of my chains. Think of Timothy's position, a young man leading a church. And his Messiah, his Christ, his Lord has been crucified. And his leaders, his own disciple makers say, no, he's risen from the dead. Can you imagine what people would tell Timothy? Can you prove it? Did you see it? And then Timothy's leader, Paul, is in prison. 
What do you think the temptation for Timothy was to be embarrassed of Jesus and to be embarrassed of Paul? Yeah, he is a little too radical. Yeah, he's a little too... uh. We've all been shamed and we've all been embarrassed. And we need to think back on that first century context and Timothy being timid, a little bit ashamed, a little bit embarrassed for following a crucified Lord. And yet Paul says, don't be ashamed. And then from verse 9 down to verse 12, I love it. Paul gives the gospel. And the gospel is center. It's centerpiece. It's everything that we live for. The gospel, what does Paul say? He has saved us. And he has called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. Paul says that so many times. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of works so that no one can boast. It tears me up when I hear people say to me, Well, I want you to know this. I want you to pray for me because you're a pastor and you're closer to God than I am. That is, I don't even want to say it. That's horrible. Our good works don't save us. It is by God's grace. It's by his purpose, his predetermined purpose. But according to his own purposes and his grace, remember what grace is. Grace is a free gift that is given to us that we do not earn. Mercy is to withhold a punishment that we deserve. So by God's great grace, he gives us eternal life. By his grace, he calls us to a holy calling to love and follow and seek and serve him. By his grace, he forgives us and gives us new life. It's amazing grace. And Paul continues. This is the gospel. He says in verse verse, um, 10, This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What is the gospel? Christ has died on the cross for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. And he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. That is the gospel. And our life should revolve around that gospel, that truth, because it's centered on Jesus. Gospel first, gospel always. We should never forget the fact that God loves us and he saved us because of his great grace and his great mercy. Not for the good things we've done, but because of his goodness and his love. And he's called us to a holy calling. The temptation can be, yeah, I already know that, I already know that. But it's the old, old story of how our Savior died on glory to set us free. It's our only hope. Paul continues. Verse 11, for this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. The only reason Paul was in prison was because he proclaimed Jesus. He loved Jesus. He followed Jesus. How many of us have suffered? We all suffer. How many of us have suffered for the sake of the gospel? And there's a difference. How many of us suffer for the sake of the gospel? And Paul is in prison knowing he'll be executed. Because of the gospel. But look at what Paul says. He says in verse 12. And that is why I suffer these things. But I'm not ashamed. Going back. He commands Timothy. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. 
He proclaims the gospel to Timothy, reminding him of the very center and essence of our faith. And then he says, I'm not ashamed. I'm in prison, but I'm not ashamed. Because I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me. Paul is not trusting in his own strength, his own self-determination. Paul is not pulling his own bootstraps up to get her done. Paul is trusting in the presence and power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit to endure and suffer all things. Because he knows that God is faithful. Because even when we are unfaithful, he is faithful. Even when we stray, even when we are ashamed, even when we don't follow and imitate Jesus, and even when we fall into temptation and sin, God is still faithful to hold us, to sustain us, to forgive us, to renew us, to lift us back up. And that is what Paul is trusting on. That is what Paul is hoping in. And he's reminding Timothy to do the same. And then look at what he says here in verse 13. He gives Timothy two commands. The first one is this. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching. Hold on to the gospel. What Paul just gave a brief summary. And remember, Timothy was with Paul for decades. Hold on to it. Every time I see that command, and I've shared this story before. We used to live on 10 acres when I was little. We had a pond. We had lots of cats. And guess what we do with the little kitty cats? See if they could swim. And they can swim. They can swim. We'd toss them in the, in the pond. We'd go get them if they could, but we, not a single one drowned. But what was that kitty cat doing when we were getting ready? We are going, one, two. What were they doing? They were holding on tight to our hands. And we learned very quickly to wear gloves because they would dig into their claws and hold on tight. And every time I hear about holding on to what the sound doctrine of teaching, I think of that when we were little. Hold on tight to the gospel. That's the first command. Paul reminds Timothy, hold on tight to the sound teaching that you've heard from me. Imitate what I've taught you. Imitate what I've shown you. In faith and love in Christ Jesus. The second one is this. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Guard the good. What is that good deposit? It's the gospel. Guard it, protect it, live for it, watch over it. And he reminds Timothy, Holy Spirit lives in you. You can't do this on, this, on your own. Holy Spirit lives in you. I'm going to deviate a little bit. I've heard a whole lot during this pandemic, especially recently. Man, this whole pandemic, man, it has caused me to do this. It has caused me to drift away from the Lord. It has caused me to do X and Y and Z. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I don't think I'd be suffering this way. Struggling with this temptation. Struggling with that sin. And I haven't said this thing by yet, but I've thought inside. I don't, the pandemic only reveals what's already in our hearts. It's like fasting. When we fast, we get impatient and angry. And we think that we're getting impatient and angry because we haven't eaten. No, the impatience and anger, the sin nature is in us. The fasting only exponentiates it. It reveals when we go through deserts. In the book of Deuteronomy, when the Israelites went through the desert, God said, I put you in the desert to humble you and show you what's in your heart. We go through trials and struggles and deserts and pandemics and we're being shaken 
And God uses that to reveal what's in our heart. He uses it to show what's inside of us. To force us to run back, choose basically, run back to the cross. Embrace the gospel. And allow Him to hold us and allow Him to lift us up. Because we can't do it on our own. Only through the presence and power of Holy Spirit. And the good news is this, if you love Jesus, Holy Spirit is in you and resides in you and empowers you. You've been adopted as a son and daughter. We can be very faithless, but Jesus is always faithful. And Paul closes with two examples. Verse 15, you know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted me. I've read this verse a hundred times this week, and it tears me up. Have you ever been betrayed and deserted by your best friends? It hurts. Paul is all alone in a prison, and he says, all have deserted me. And he mentions to them by name, Phygelus or Phygelus and Hermogenes. We have no idea who these two people are. But they deserted Paul and they are part of Paul's ministry team for a while. They were like Timothy for Paul. But they abandoned him. Think of that pain that Paul is going through in the context of everything he just told Timothy. But then he says, But may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me And he was not ashamed of my chains. Think of the sweet fellowship you've had with other brothers and sisters who uphold you and lift you up and encourage you and they're not ashamed to call you friend. Look at how this Onesiphorus served Paul because often he refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me And found me. This is super important because someone little child is preaching right now up there. So pay attention. And I love it. I call that out because I love hearing babies in here talk. It's never a nuisance or annoyance. So we never need to shush them. It reminds me that we should have faith like a child. Onesiphorus refreshed Paul. Was not ashamed of him diligently searched for him till he found him and served him. And then Paul says, May the Lord grant that he obtain mercy from him on that day. Because you know very well, Timothy, how Onesiphorus ministered at Ephesus. The sweet fellowship of having brothers and sisters who carry our burdens. We need them. That's why we hit so hard on being part of a small group. In closing, I don't want to invite everybody to stand. There's a couple of verses I want to look at. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. Paul says five times in the New Testament, imitate me because I imitate Christ. That might sound very arrogant, but it's Scripture. Can you say that to those around you? Can you tell those around you? Can you tell them, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Paul's a human just like you and I. We should be able to tell our brothers and sisters and those around us, imitate me because I imitate Christ. 
And then Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, 43 and 44, this is what Jesus said. And this is our goal. This is our, this is our prize. It's Jesus himself. Jesus says, but it is not so among you about being leaders and prideful and arrogant. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must become what? Servant of all. And whoever wants to be first among you will be slave of all. Can you say that? My prayer is that we can say yes. And then he, Jesus can close. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. We are called to serve. Serve first and foremost our King Jesus and serve others. A disciple imitates. My prayer for all of us is that we would imitate Jesus and be bold and share with others. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's possible through the power and presence of Holy Spirit living in and through you.